0: Look at others' skills, mirror them, learn from them, ask questions, try stuff. It might not work the first time. If you're the kind of person who walks into the office every Monday morning and likes to fire up your laptop straight away and get working without talking to anyone, for the next week, try starting each morning walking to the office, find someone new and just ask them how their weekend was, how their Mm -hmm. day is. Right? So, So try new stuff and you'll be surprised at how quickly you improve your... Empathy skills, your human skills, as I call them.
1: Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world class management team. And now, your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome. I'm really glad you're here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Number two, please share the show with just one other person. And three, Go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today I have Ferris Aranke with me. Ferris, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do?
0: Thank you, Eric. As you said, my name is Faris Raki, and uh, I am the CEO of a, a strategic consulting firm called Sheer Ghetto Consulting. At Sheer Ghetto Consulting, we work with companies and individuals to make them more effective today than they were yesterday. And we do that through three key pillars. We help improve around IQ, EQ, and FQ. So that's uh, creativity, emotional intelligence, and focus.
1: Focus. I've never heard the FQ piece before. That's that's unique. Grand. Oh, well, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, tell us about it. We've got a list of things to talk about. I'm especially in, intrigued in FQ. So why don't we lead with that? What is FQ?
0: Yeah, sure. You know, why do we talk about FQ? So for FQ is about focus. But really each of those three components are really important and 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 uh, the reason we identified FQ and focus as a as a key missing element is I've been a strategy guy for 15 plus years now and I see uh, some of the common problems of Strategies actually being successful. One key building block is focus. Too often, too many companies are trying to do too many things at the same time. And so they don't dedicate enough attention, focus, care. To things that they say are important. you know, It's not uncommon to go into a company and find they say, they'll say to me, Hey, Faris, we've got 100 strategic pro- projects. And I said, 100, right? You wouldn't have 100 important things in your life. You wouldn't try and move house, get married, lose weight, learn a new language, you know, 100 of those things at the same time. So why do you think your company can? Uh, and they were like, Oh, yeah, good point. But uh, they, they often find it very hard to focus in terms of that. But also at the individual level, we all find it hard to focus. Even if we know what our task is, because there's so many distractions in modern life that if you can get a better grip on that, just think how much extra effectiveness you'll get out of your day and achieving your goals.
1: That is an excellent point. I find, for example, I am married to my phone and I I know my listeners can't see this, but my phone is in a bright green case so that I don't lose it because I'm so attached to it and I have to consciously turn it over or hide it from myself to make sure it doesn't distract me. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's just one example of, of, of a, a thing that takes away focus and distracts folks.
0: Completely. And, and those are actually the visible distractions, right? Yeah. And, uh, and let's not dismiss how difficult it is to put away your phone, right? Because there's whole teams of neuroscientists working to get you to use your phone more. But think of the hidden distractions, Eric, right? And the classic ones I tell to people is think about food and heat right if you're hungry how much of your brain goes to oh i'm hungry oh what shall i have for lunch oh right and imagine you've got a really important report to write that more you know and it's getting to about midday you lose suddenly you'll see your effectiveness drop right off if you were to actually track it because of a hunger similar thing if you're in a room which is too cold or too hot your brain will go to that and go oh my god i'm too cold and too hot and the best thing for your focus is to fix that immediately and keep your attention on, the, on what you should be. But actually, most of us just put up with it and therefore get slightly distracted and lose some of those focus points that we should be dedicating to what we've said is a very important task. And if you add all those things in life and you think you're dedicating 100 points of importance to something, you're probably only doing 20 or 30 because so many mm-hmm. things are robbing you of that um, focus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in the case of hunger, just a quick aside, if I'm hungry, 100% of my focus goes to that. I do not, I, I do, not do well if I am hungry. My, my family knows if I get hungry, feed me quickly, otherwise I'm going to get hangry, and that's a bad thing for everybody involved. Okay, so for managers, and especially new managers, you would say that that focus is incredibly important. Is, is that an accurate summa- summation?
0: If, if, as a new manager leading others focus is incredibly important both for yourself but you need to be able to articulate to the team here's your challenge the three no more than three priorities they should be working on so it is clear mm-hmm. to everybody that's number one thing set the focus set the clarity then number two remove any barriers in their way to them being able to focus and dedicate on achieving those three priorities and that could be things like hey feed them if they're hungry or, you know, lock away their phones. But I'm talking more, much more tactical, right? How many times in an office, let's say a printer's out, right? And your whole team have to do a workaround because the printer's out. They might have to go to another, you know, a nearby team. That's, you know, if you if you extrapolate how much time is lost across the team, that's a lot. So fix that. Or they don't all have the password to get into the new software. They haven't been trained in it. Think how much time is lo- lost to them having to find a workaround for that. So remove these kind of barriers and some of them are physical and some of them are emotional, right? Two people don't get on, blah, blah. That's your role as a new manager to be bring super dedicated levels of focus and increased performance out of your team.
1: Very insightful. Thank you. Well, the next thing I'd like to talk about in that equation is emotional intelligence. Yeah. And again, you know that my my lens is new managers, yes. but you're welcome to broaden that if you want to and, and just talk about in general how important emotional intelligence is In the workplace today.
0: Yeah. And let's just set the scene. What I mean by emotional intelligence versus maybe what some other listeners uh, uh, have got in their mind, because it's one of those very new, but very nebulous terms that can mean lots of things. I mean, the ability to take others with you on the journey, the ability to get them to buy into an idea, get them excited, get them engaged and really think about them. And I think this is so powerful, uh, a skill that we should all Spend time working on it because it. You know, I go back to my strategy days. I used to be the guy who would come up with super smart strategies. I was paid for, you know, big bucks. Different companies go and work, go out, work out what we should do. But ninety percent of those strategies failed to land because people didn't buy into them. Because what I'd do is I'd develop a very complex solution, a model. I'd pass it on to someone senior who either didn't understand it, didn't believe it themselves, didn't, you know, or they were were not well positioned in the firm. They couldn't. And they are try and sell it, you know, they'd just go into a board meeting and say, this is what we're doing. And others would just look and go, no, for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And that's the lack of the emotional intelligence. That's the lack of the, the EQ. So as a new manager, let's let's make this really crisp for your listeners. Being able to flex and communicate to your teams in the style that they like and get them excited and engaged is such an important piece of the jigsaw. And many of us aren't taught that or realize it until too late.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, emotional intelligence especially these days is incredibly important and it's something that I'll be talking about in my in my upcoming book is you know the fact that you've got to develop emotional intelligence and empathy and those are skills that you can learn that you know it's not it's not something mysterious it's something that you can learn and develop. Yeah. Carrying on from here, let's transition into empathy and talk a little bit about the the how important empathy is. In general and then specifically for, for managers.
0: Yeah. Being able to, you know, the old saying, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes is incredibly powerful. So as a as a manager, as a new manager, how can you do that quickly with your team? Kind of understand what they're going through, what's important to them. I always say, can you can you find out about an individual there with and whammies? Eric, have you heard of that term before? Whiff
1: him and whammy? I know with him very well. What's in it for me? What's in whammy, it? For me?
0: And it's the opposite. What's whammy? It's what's- what's against my interest ah right so and this can be quickly achieved right anytime i get a new team together and i'm i you know i've been in the world consulting so you rapidly form teams you rapidly disband them so you're forever creating teams you know i always like to meet everyone one on one get to know them half an hour 45 minutes find out and you know and either explicitly or implicitly what do they like right you know what's their whiff-ins? what's the one thing they like to do outside of work what's really important to them day to day that's their whiff-ins. what do they hate uh, I hate when, you know, I hate working in the mornings. I hate when people give me feedback in this style. Those are their whammies, right? And you might, and it's those simple things. If you can then, when you talk to them, include those things, you'll instantly be more impactful and be a better manager.
1: Fantastic. That's so simple. I love that. I'm sure you're familiar with the work of Brené Brown.
0: Of course, yeah.
1: Yeah, she's she's my hero in this stuff. And I need to reread some of her books. I've I've read them once and it's time to do it again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: So how can someone, especially a new manager, develop empathy and emotional intelligence? We talk we've talked about the fact that you can. But now let's yeah. get into the how to. How do you do it?
0: So I think there's there's a couple of key components here. So first of all, people say to me, "Well, I've got that, you know, I've got no empathy. So how am I going to learn?" And I say, "Well, that's a load of balderdash or insert other word there." Because you've got empathy uh, you know you have you not got friends outside of work have you not got relationships you have got empathy there right even if it's not as strong as other people so how can you translate what you do down the pub with your friends or round the dinner table with your family into the work context and part of that is just mindset because so many people have a separate work persona to personal life persona and the more they can trans, you know lift and shift some of the great behaviors they are they use in their personal life into the professional capacity, they'll be better off for it. Okay, mm-hmm. So that, that's number one. You've already got some experiences. You've already got some skills. Port them across. And that might be a mindset thing. So many people have narratives in their head that they can't do this. They should do that. And that's all just in your head. And then the second is look at others who are skilled, mirror them, learn from them, ask questions, try stuff. It might not work the first time. If you're the kind of person who walks into the office every Monday morning and likes to fire up your laptop straight away and get working without talking to anyone. For the next week, try starting each morning, walk into the office, find someone new and just ask them how their weekend was, how mm-hmm. their day is. Right? So, so try new stuff and you'll be surprised at how quickly you improve your empathy skills, your human skills, as I call them. The hardest part will be getting through the level of uncomfort that sits with you because you're not used to doing it. But for the other person, they, they they won't necessarily see that discomfort, and they probably will appreciate what you're trying, and it'll, you'll form a better connection. Because here's the thing, Eric, as soon as two human beings find something that connect them, they are more likely to work better together. And it can mm. be anything that connects them. So go out and explore.
1: That is marvelous advice. I recently read an article in Harvard Business Review where a CEO had a couple of folks, one who was having trouble being effective working with diverse folks mm. and, and was, was, was just having a really hard time. And so the CEO tried an experiment and he sent this person who was, was a, white, a white male, he sent them to a black and Hispanic MBA conference yeah. and had them attend this conference for a few days. And so just by immersing yourself in another experience, in something entirely different from what you're used to, that can also be a way to build empathy. And of course, that wasn't the end of the story. It wasn't just, they, they got dropped into this conference and then there was no debrief. Of course, there was a debrief and there were discussions, mm. but I just thought that that was another unique way to build empathy is like, go, go do it.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, yeah, no final way you know, put yourself out there. I always call it run towards the wrecking ball, whatever scares yeah. you, move towards it and you'll learn so much from it as daunting as it may seem.
1: <laughs> and that's hard. Like for me as an extrovert, that's no problem. I don't mind. Mm. I mean, I, I have my, my zones of discomfort, but I'll go try something new. I don't mind. Mm. So I think, I think for someone who may is maybe is a little bit more introverted, that might be a little bit uh, more difficult. So do you have any advice for the, for the introvert who would really, really, really rather not?
0: Yeah, because there's 101 ways to do something. So find something else is my first tip. So if, Mm -hmm. if being dropped into a conference that scares the the, the living daylights out of you is the scariest thing in the world, then find something that's a little less scary than that, which might be join a join an online meeting for half an hour, which is with someone I've never met. So think of the worst case scenario, then scale it back and go for something. Because then, you know, comparing it to the worst case, you go, actually, that's not as bad. So maybe that's one way, you know, come up with new ideas. Then the, the other thing I'd say is know yourself, know how you motivate, you know? So if I, if I look at myself, if I want to do something new, I know that if I gamify it, turn it into a game in my head, I'm more likely to do it. Uh, I also know about accountability. If I tell someone else, I'm going to do it. I will then end up doing it. So my sister is is the number one person I do this. I'll often ring her if I've got something difficult and just say, oh, I'm going about to do this. And she's like, why do I care? And I say, well, you don't. But the very fact that I've told you makes it about four times more likely that I'm going to do it now. Uh, so thanks for this phone call. And she's like, I didn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, you did, Bye. <laughs> right? So, but that's because I know myself. I know what motivates me, what gets me over the level. So, So part of it is try and make it less scary, but then also work to how you motivate yourself. And be that rewards, be that carrot stick, whatever, and it'll be different for each person.
1: Fantastic advice, thank you. All right, do you have any war stories or any examples to kind of ex- to, to to illustrate what we've just been talking about? Oh,
0: hundreds, Eric. <laughs> but let me let me give you you know some. Um, let's talk about the importance of uh, empathy. I've recently been working with a. A group of individuals who are very, let's call them very alpha individuals. They're very lone wolves. They work in a trading environment. They're, the kind of work they do every day is they make big decisions on stock market movements and, and these sort of things. And they have, they're very competitive by their nature because they have to, you know, they bet big every day. But the one thing they're not is a team. They don't see the value of their team members. In fact, they see the other team members as competitors. Now, the problem they faced is that needed to work together because their performance individually was going down and they needed to start working closer, but they didn't have that as a skill because they lacked a lot of empathy. So when I was introduced to this group, I could see it instantly from the interviews, but even just from their dynamics. They literally, I remember asking one individual in the group, I said, tell me about John who sits next to you. What do you know about him? And he said, nothing. I said, how long have you sat next to him? Eight years. I said, do you know, know, does he have any kids? Does he have a wife? He said, I don't know. I don't care. And I said, this is after eight years. Literally, so I realized it was quite drastic that I needed to bring them together. So what I did is I played to their strengths, which is competition. So every team meeting we had, we had a game to start off, which was bet. Let's guess and actually place a physical bet how many X we have as a team. And each week I'd change the X. So first week would be how many kids do we have as a team? So everybody in the group would sit and go, oh, well, I think, you know, there's eight of us. There must be 12 kids right? The first person, I'm going to bet $10. And the next person said, well, I think it's 13, I'm going to bet $10. Now it wasn't really about who would win because the whole point of the game is everyone then had to go around and reveal how many kids they had, what their kids' names were, how old they were. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're doing this each week. You're learning more and more about each person. What happens after just a month? People are starting to talk to each other about their wife and kids, their pets, their houses. They're starting to act more human with each other. What happens to their performance as a team? It goes up, right? So by introducing empathy, in this case, subtly, without them realizing, had dramatic effects on that team. Now, after I've been working with them for about a year, it is like night and day.
1: I imagine. That is very clever. That is very clever. Very cool. Thank you. Brilliant. It's okay.
0: This is the kind of work I do. <laughs> so uh, uh, I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, I love it. I, I can see I can see that that uh, there may be some collaboration between us uh, going forward. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's move into the speed round. This is where I ask a few questions of you that are a little personal. They're not super personal. I'm not, not going to ask you to <laughs> disclose anything anything scary. Uh, has
0: my mother asked you to do this, Eric? I know. <laughs> no, no, not a bit.
1: But uh, no, those are easy. these are easy questions that just help, help the listeners get to know you a little okay. bit better. All right. Yeah, sure. So the first one is, if you could interview anyone, if you were in this seat, who would it be and why? Uh,
0: I would like to interview, oh, there's so many great people, but it basically someone who has knowledge that I have absolutely none of. So it literally could be any field, any topic. So it's not an individual per se, but uh, every every week, Eric, I do something that is called random networking, where I get paired with a random person around the world to chat for 45 minutes. And I have met people in China who are number one at aerospace, people in Hungary who know all about AI, people who, you know, uh, so that is a highlight of my week. And it's kind of makes me feel like I'm in your chair each week.
1: Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, another thing I want to talk to you about. Okay. <laughs> next question what is your favorite vacation spot and why
0: ultimately uh, i'm i'm palestinian by origin and i think there's nowhere better in the world than jerusalem for the cross smash of cultures religions experiences it's also i've been going there since i was a kid i love going to the west bank and the palestinian territories and so not your typical holiday destination but for me an amazing place to visit
1: i would love to go to jerusalem that would be a neat place to go Where would you most like to travel aside from Jerusalem?
0: Do you know what? This year I'd love to go to uh, one of, if not all of, Japan, South Korea, or Brazil.
1: I've been to Japan and Brazil. South Korea, it doesn't doesn't count that I spent like six hours in the Seoul airport, right?
0: (laughs) Only you set the rules for your life, Eric. But Every year I try and challenge myself to visit two new places I haven't visited. And I've been doing that for, apart from COVID aside, probably the last 20 years. So it's a great way to see the world and you never know where you end up.
1: Yeah, I would really, I recommend Japan for sure. And just get yourself a guide. It's more fun if you're with somebody who speaks the language and knows the culture and so on. Good tip. Okay, yeah, oh, good I'll, I'll t- be talking to you about that off- offline. Oh yeah, I I spent a couple of trips in a place called the Itsu Peninsula, which is Southeast of Tokyo, and it's known for its hot springs. Oh, yeah. so nice. Oh, huh. yeah. Really, really nice. Last question: What brings you the yeah. most joy in your life?
0: Ah, oh, I think it's either learning something new or helping somebody uh, embrace something that you know is going to be a turning point in their career or their life. You know, I started off as a school teacher many years ago, teaching high school math and economics, and that joy—it's the same today—is the joy I used to get teaching eleven-year-old a new math technique that you knew would change their life once they grabbed algebra or once they they got a cu- equation you knew things were going to be different for them so i still get that feeling today when i work with teams and see that epiphany moment
1: right on cool thank you well ferris thank you so much that was a fantastic interview how can yeah. people find you if they want to learn more
0: uh so there's two places they can find me they can hit up my website company website which is uh, www.shearghetto.com and sheer ghetto is s-h-i-a-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t-g-e-t- E-T-O. And I almost couldn't remember the spelling there. And then the second thing is look me up on LinkedIn. I spend a disproportionately large amount of time there. It's Faris Uh, There should be only one of us. And I'd uh, love to carry on the conversation there.
1: Beautiful. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And uh, we'll catch you at the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com.